You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. How you doing? I'm really good. Why is that? I don't know. I like the Christmas tree in my house. I'm just really liking the way my house looks this week. I will say that the Christmas tree smells great. It smells so good. And I was reading, uh, this was not a purposeful segue, but I was reading that more couples are now putting their Christmas trees in their bedrooms. Really? Yeah, because it gives that- does that, surprise me. It's the glow and mm. the smell and all the health benefits of feeling like you're in a forest. Yeah, that's what it is. No, I'm serious. <laughs> feel like you're in a forest. I think it just has to do with it. All of our houses are getting so much smaller and there's nowhere to there's put nowhere the Christmas. Like the here. Christmas tree takes up like a third of our living room. Yes, it does. It's blocking the whole patio door. It's a great third though. It looks really good. It does look really good. Yeah, so I'm in a good mood and we're going to be talking to my friend Taylor Sparks from Organic Lovin' in just a moment. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good chat. Absolutely. I think we're going to talk about, she sent me so many topics, but we're going to talk about non-monogamy and uh, get some perspective and personal experience on that. And uh, before Taylor joins us, I wanted to chat to folks for a moment about a new course I have coming up. It is a group coaching course for 30 days. It's a four-week program to master your relationships in 30 days. And so this is for the new year. I'm really hoping folks will either sign up as singles or as couples and jumpstart the new year focusing on relationships because so many of our resolutions, you know, really center on, I think, the body and habits. And I think that's actually really cool. I, I love the new year. I love the idea of a reset. It's the same reason I love Mondays. Really? You love Mondays for that I'm, reason? You feel I'm, like it's a reset? Yeah. I'm just like, okay, this week's going to be the week <laughs> I start working out or this week's going to be the week that I get a better night's sleep. Like I always feel like it's like by time Thursday comes around, I'm like, just pass me the wine. Like <laughs> I've just like given up. It's, it's over. It's done. <laughs> but Monday. Monday, it's a whole fresh start. Yeah. And so that's how I feel about 2022. And you don't have to wait, but I've got this amazing course I'm super excited about. It's Master Your Relationship in 30 Days. It's a group coaching program with Coach Sonia. And so Sonia Zabertani, Montreal-based coach who does all different work in like life and business and fitness. And uh, we're really excited. It's really for anyone who wants more passion, more pleasure, more love, more fulfillment. And in week one, we're going to go over mindset and relationship blueprint. So really work through your relational values to identify what you want so you can get more of it uh, and looking at like balance and really creating relationships that aren't just happy and fulfilling that help you to grow and elevate one another. Okay, I'm going to stop right now and I'm going to I'm going to shout your praises. I'm going to sing your praise. I'm going to big you up because Thanks, I Charles. feel I f you, that's what I'm here for. Charles Boyle. Charles Boyle. I am here. No, but I really do think that I, I I can't think of a time where you've offered this sort of training for this kind of a cost and I'm serious. Oh my god, you're killing no, me. No, 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 really. When I think <laughs> about the the discussions that you give and the cost mm -hmm. to bring you in for a day mm -hmm. and that these four courses for $249, I'm telling you, I'm sold. I'm signing up. Here's the thing. You're awesome. Here's the thing. You're babe. awesome. Oh, thanks. For me, I think everybody has the capacity on their own to do this, to like really do it. I think most of us just don't do it. Like for example, if you were to do all the exercises in my latest book, I just think it can be really revolutionary. Mm -hmm. The problem is we don't set the time aside and that's why I think coaching can help. So we're doing these group calls, um, group sessions, Wednesday nights starting January 5th. Week one is the relationship mindset and blueprint. 
Week two is around emotional and relational communication. So we're going to go through the exercises, help you find the language, and hopefully have you practice. Week three, we move into the bedroom and we're looking at sexual values, um, sexual communication, how to get more of what you want, how to master your orgasm, kind of get to know your body from the inside out. And then week four is a hybrid where it's both digital and it will be live for people in Montreal. And uh, we're going to be really be talking about how to ignite the spark, how to keep it going, going over the tips and techniques and really just making it fun. Uh, and yeah, I'm really excited. I haven't done anything like this in a very, very, very long time. And I'll make sure to link it in the show notes. Uh, it's, we're selling it over at coachsoniaacademy.com, but I'll make it easier. You can just head to my website. It, it will be on the homepage and it will be in the show notes. Master your relationship in 30 days. If you're, I'm hoping people will give it as like a holiday present or as a, as a present to themselves. And we're going to be focused on focusing on folks who are both single and in relationships uh, and not just intimate relationships. Like part of it, of course, with the bedroom is really about sex, but I want people to be thinking about relationships more generally, and I'm pretty excited about that. Again, I'm going back. I'm going to sing your praises. You do an incredible job of packaging the information and giving it to people to use every single day. That's what I love about you. That's why I take so much out of this relationship. I, I learn so much from you and the guests. So I'm just excited for other people to have access to this information. And you're a fun person. You're a fun guy. I'm a fun guy. You're a fun guy. You honestly, um, thank you for that, by the way. But you don't call me out for not following my own advice too, which I really appreciate. <laughs> oh, I do that too. Yeah. yeah right no, but I mean, this is the thing with this program that you don't have to do absolutely everything. It's the same thing with the book. I always tell people, I'm like, you got to pick one little thing, like one new conversation. There are probably, I don't know, 200 action items in the book and you can't do them all. So I'm kind of pulling what I think is most important and easiest mm -hmm. for people mm -hmm. to actually do. Because I think you're better off doing something a little bit rather than feeling like you have to do everything all the way. So 30 days to master your relationships. It starts January 5th. It runs Wednesday nights for four weeks. I think it's an amazing way to start the new year. And we know that relationships of all kinds are at the core of our life satisfaction, our mental health, our physical health. And so if you are setting resolutions around physical and mental health and all that. I think that this is a really important tie-in and they're so naturally integrated, whether you want them to be or not. So super excited for that. And now looking forward to this conversation mm -hmm. about consensual non-monogamy and more. Joining us now is Taylor Sparks, an erotic educator, a sex goddess, the founder of OrganicLovin.com, one of the largest BIPOC-owned organic online intimacy shops. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jess, for having me here. I'm so excited. I haven't seen you in over a year. Yeah, it's, I think, even since, longer. Since Yes, we were at uh, the Taboo Show or the Everything to Do with Sex Show. Uh, yes. You were teaching a ton of different classes. You were there with a friend of yours. What, I can't remember what you were Parish. teaching. I was there with Parrish, Parrish Michelle Blair, another yeah. another sex goddess. <laughs> yes, and and why do you call yourself a sex goddess? Well, as a sex, and all women, I believe, can be sex goddesses. It's just, you know, I just choose sex because you could be a, a different type of goddess, a culinary goddess or, you know, garden goddess. I just chose sex because it's my thing. Because it's better than garden. <laughs> no, no, it's not better. It's just different. Because if gardening is your thing, gardening is your thing. Sex call them, happens to call be my them. thing. <laughs> sex is your thing. Uh, you know, 
but we can't say it's better or not, you know, or worse. It's just gardening is their thing. You can be a garden goddess. People that put together these beautiful gardens, like I, I can't do that. I'm like, here's a couple of plants in a pot and I'm done. But <laughs> as, a, as a sex goddess, I believe and I love everything that has to do with sex. Even the things that I do not participate in, like, you know, I don't swallow and I do I don't do anal. But if it's something that you love, I love it for you. I also believe as a sex goddess, that sex is healing on both the giving and the receiving side. So that is my definition of a sex goddess. I love all things sex, even the stuff I don't do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about that because there is so much pressure that if you are open around sex, I think there's this confusion that you must also do everything. So can we talk about swallowing? Why don't you swallow? Texture. (laughs) It's mostly texture. Uh, Vegans do taste better or tastes good if you're vegan, that that makes a difference. But it's a texture thing. I don't like the same reason why I don't eat pussy texture. You know, it's, it's, uh, can I say pussy? <laughs> yeah, you can say anything you want. Good. Yeah. My girlfriend said, uh, a girlfriend of mine said, it's like, it's kind of like licking a dolphin. You know, I was like, I, I don't want to lick a dolphin. <laughs> I've never licked a dolphin. I feel like I'd want to lick said a dolphin. It was, she said it was like licking a dolphin. I, I, I don't want to lick a dolphin. So <laughs> It's a, it's a texture thing. I'm just like. And what about anal? What do you not like about anal? Because for some reason I have the, the, the bullseye attraction for big dicks. And I'm like, no, thank you. You're not putting that in there. <laughs> right. It's a si- size thing. It's a size thing. But even small, I don't, it does nothing for me. I've tried it. It's like, are you done yet? Uh-huh. I'm so glad this you're saying doing that. This is doing nothing for me. I would rather find my man, my men, someone who enjoys anal and watch them have anal with her. And I'm like, girl, you need some lube. You know, I got the organic lube for you. Because <laughs> I'm going to sit there with my tequila and watch you take all that dick because it's doing nothing for me. It does nothing for me. Okay. So we need to talk about that because anal is such a popular topic. Like everybody wants to know how to have anal, how to enjoy anal. And so, you know, I think actually when I was at the Taboo Show with you, I probably taught a little kind of mini course on Mm -hmm. how to have anal, Mm -hmm. but I'm always driving home the message that you don't have to. Like not everybody likes everything, right? Like there's probably, like I have my, I have an auntie who doesn't like chocolate. I have another cousin who doesn't like chocolate. I get that most people really like, many people like chocolate, but some people don't. One of my best friends doesn't really love sweets. And it's so interesting because she's a baker. She's like a phenomenal, you know who I'm talking about, right? She's a phenomenal baker, but she'd rather have like a second savory meal rather than have dessert and that's her thing i'm not telling her she's missing out i'm not telling her like oh you've got to try it or you've got to do it different or you you know or beer i don't like beer okay and everyone's always you know like after i play sports right after the game they'll be like oh i brought you a rattler or i brought you a cider or i brought you i don't know there's all these different things and i'm like okay i don't hate them but i just rather have wine like it's fine yeah Yeah, your cider is fine but i don't really like it that much i actually would rather have water i like water (laughs) yeah 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 And so I I love that you're normalizing that it is okay to do absolutely anything and it's also okay to say no. And one thing you brought up is that you would rather find your partner someone who enjoys anal. And so you are 25 years married and you've been both monogamous and ethically non-monogamous. I think you basically split the relationship. Kind of of about 12 years in, we decided to, uh, well, I decided to ask my husband about if we could open our marriage. And so we kind of, we didn't do the swinging thing at first. We were just kind of open marriage. And then we kind of backed into the swinging thing because he didn't want to not only see me with another man, he didn't want to hear me with another man. He said, no one should be able to make you make those sounds but me. I'm like, "Eh, 
the sounds I make with other people are different than uh-huh. the one that I make with you. I can make so we, them. I can make myself make those sounds. <laughs> basically, right? And so I kind of backed into the swinging thing. And then, um, and then, so we were doing that. So we were open first. We did everything separately. Then we kind of backed into the swinging thing. And then we were doing that. And then I was hosting for LLV at Keto about five years into the uh, non-monogamy and met this couple that introduced me to polyamory and kink. And they did things to me that I'm sure not legal in at least three states, but it was like, this is poly. And we, I just had all these questions and I did the incorrect thing, which was to text my husband from 800 miles away and go, I met this couple. I'm in love. We're going to be poly. He's like, wait, 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 we're doing what now? What? What, what the hell is Polly? What do you mean love? We don't, we don't love. We're, we're swingers. There's, there's no love here. We talk about this when, we, when you get home. So that's not the way to introduce anything to your partner via text 800 miles away, four days before you come home. You just don't, don't do that. But um, it ended up that after reading some books, we read more than two and saw some, you know, listened to some podcasts and listened to some YouTube channels and talked to a lot of people and even counseled with a couple. It was, he was like, no. I'm not feeling this. I'm, I'm going to get my pussy and come home. I like the swinging thing. I don't, I don't want a girlfriend. You know, I'm like, I want a boyfriend. I want two boyfriends and a dominant. Oh shit. No, I want three boyfriends. <laughs> and so I was kind of poly open swinging kinky and he was kind of open swinging. Okay. Let me, let's back up a little. Actually, I'd love to know two things, how you introduced the topic of non-monogamy to begin with. And then I'd like to talk about that little, you know, I'll call it a tiny mistake where you texted him from 800 miles away and how you overcame that. But let's start from the beginning. So how did you, how did you figure out that you wanted to open up a relationship of 12 years or a marriage of 12 years? And then how did you approach him? How did he respond? And I'm looking for like advice, you know, folks can learn from. Sure, sure, sure. Well, initially what had happened was we had decided to go with a non-swinging group to hedonism. We had had a a really tough transition from Boston down to North Carolina uh, financially. And we had just got back on our feet. We hadn't been away without the kids in like seven years. And this group was going to hedonism. I had always heard about it. And he was like, we are not going there. I'm like, we're going, we need a vacation without the kids. We need to, you know, he's like, we're not those kind of people. I'm like, we don't have to do what they do. We're just going to go, you know, because we thought like a lot of people think hedonism is a, a, a swinger resort, which it's not. It's an open lifestyle resort. So it doesn't matter if you swing or don't swing. They don't really care. And um, we argued about that for three months. And then I finally said, let's not act like I don't have access to my own money. I'm going with or without <laughs> you. <laughs> so I booked, I called the travel agency and said, find me a roommate. And I booked myself on the trip. Well, his passport came in the day before the trip. And of course he came with me and he was like, there is I am not going to be on the nude side. I am not. You don't have to do anything. I just want to be with my husband, you know, and spend some time in, uh, without any children, with anybody else's children. So we went. And first thing, of course, of course we met was a bunch <laughs> of swingers. So I am so curious. I had all these questions. How would you? Why would you? Where do you? With whom do you? Got all my questions answered. And we decided this wasn't for us. But I was intrigued about having sex with others. So while researching something on Will and Jada Smith, now we know what's happening with them, but all of us in the community knew they were open anyway. Reading about a business he had invested, they had invested in, up popped an article about them being in an open relationship. So I Googled benefits of an open marriage and up popped an article from a husband in his perspective and the benefits of it. And I thought it was fabulous. So 
in the article, he talked about how his, their libidos were highly different. His was much uh, lower than his wife's and, and that was kind of my situation. So I said to my husband, you should read this article. And so I read, I said, and then let's discuss it. And so he read the article and because it was from a man's perspective, he was like, so what are you saying? I'm like, I think we should try to open our relationship. We're both traveling, you know, and, and we could kind of make our, set our boundaries. And he's like, well, let's think about this for a couple of months. I'm like, no, 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 let's do this. Let's talk about this right now, today. I wouldn't get this started today because <laughs> my libido was higher than his. And based on the article, there were boundaries there, you know, that were set and stayed within those boundaries. So we decided to try it. I said, if it doesn't work, you know, we can go back to being monogamous. Now, I will tell people, once you ring that bell, you cannot unring it. You can go back to monogamy if you want, you know, this because I believe that monogamy and ethical, ethical being the operative word, ethical non-monogamy is a choice. It is solely your choice. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting that we talk about ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy. Should we also not talk about ethical monogamy? Well, for sure. Like consensual monogamy, yes. something you opt into as opposed to something you just do because you're supposed to. Exactly. And I think consent, again, is, is sexy on, on both sides of the thing, right? And But we, we do get caught up in the what you should do and what you're supposed to do. You need to take out the ass. We're supposed to do. <laughs> so what do you mean? What do you mean when you say once you ring that bell, you can't unring it? When you present to your partner, wh whether your partner's, you know, heterosexual, you know, straight or whatever, that I want to open a relationship and have sex with others. And if they are completely like, oh, hell to the no, then this is always in their head now that you are wanting something that they don't want and you are no longer in alignment. So how do you get back in alignment? Because you cannot, like, you can't take it back. You can't swallow and pretend you never said it. Right. This is something that you desire. So now you have to, you have to face this. And so where do you go from there? How do you then say, this is something I desire? And your partner's like, I don't want to do it. So you have to have that discussion. Right. But at the same time, that impasse or that discrepancy or incompatibility already exists, whether you say it out loud or not. Um, right? Yeah, I don't I, I don't necessarily call it incompatibility. I just I just think you're not in alignment. You know what I mean? It's not like you're incompatible because, you know, as I tell people all the time, people go, well, why would you open your marriage if you know if you're met? Why get married? And it's we're not monolithical is that a word we're, we're not a monolith mm -hmm. we are multifaceted mm -hmm. people so just like we were talking about some people you know we have a person that doesn't like chocolate and it's like i don't like anal it's not just one tiny thing once you get married we encompass lots of different things we like lots of different things to do and places to go and people to see so just because you decide to become a union or a unit <laughs> so to speak you know suddenly everything doesn't suddenly get shut off Exactly. Yeah. So why not? But this, but you do have to have that discussion once you open it up and the person goes, I want to do that. So then you have to then say, well, how do we maintain the things that we both enjoy and do the things that we don't want to do together, but still want to do? Mm -hmm. Because nobody actually belongs to anybody. That's exactly it. it. You know, I get so many emails from people like, how do I tell my partner that I want to open up the relationship? And so your story is that you used an article, like you took an article and said, hey, I read this. Will you read it? And folks can do the same thing with this podcast. Hey, I was listening to this podcast. Would you have a listen to it? Um, what other ways would you advise people to approach this conversation, especially, I think, for, for people for whom it feels out of the blue? 
Um, well, anytime you want to have um, approach any subject that is not normal in your relationship, like, hey, want to try anal? <laughs> I always suggest you, you know, you don't do it in the heat of a sexual moment or the heat of an argument. Like, well, you know, I want to fuck other people. Well, don't, 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 don't do that. I always suggest, you know, have it over breakfast or have a cup of coffee, you know, when, you know, not at the end of a stressful day and in the car on a ride somewhere where no one can escape. No one's going to jump out at 70 miles an hour. I'm not going to talk about this right now. They jump out the damn car, you know, in a car somewhere. And I always tell people, no matter if you're um, going to broach a subject about sex, something about sex you might want or don't want, start with what is working well, right? So you're going to go, you know, babe, you know what I really love about our relationship? I love this and this and this and that. And your, your partner's like, okay. And you're like, and I also like this and that and that. Okay. Like, cause who doesn't want to hear the good things, right? You go, right. and I was thinking, or I heard this podcast that I want you to listen to, but they were talking about ethical non-monogamy, open relationships. And I want you to listen to it or read the article because I want to talk about it. And they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Are you saying you want, I'm not saying anything right now, other than I, I want you to listen to it because I think we should have this discussion together, but I can't have it if you haven't listened to and read what I've read, because maybe what I read, you, you're going to take it a completely different way. So you don't have to give it all right then until they hear the podcast or read the article. And then they come back and they go, okay, I read it or I heard it. Now, what are you saying? So, well, what did you think about the part when the woman said, or the guy said, yada, 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 how do you feel about that? And so what, what do we do when people honestly withdraw or won't have the conversation or get angry or make accusations? Because that's what I'm sort of seeing in these messages. Like my partner refuses to talk about, like, how do we handle that? Well, like any adult, you're going to have to put on your big girl panties or your big guy panties, and you're going to have to have the conversation. If they refuse to talk about it, I suggest writing them an email. Ah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I suggest Sometimes writing things down can help to elucidate and, uh, you know, what it is you want and really clarify how you're feeling. Like I think about, I always think back to um, one big fight that you had with someone many, many years ago. It was probably like a decade ago where they were really, really, really mad at you for a while. And it was because you know, you had had this conversation. I'm talking to Brandon here. Sorry. You had had this conversation with them and you had said something. They had heard it. And there was also the story they told themselves yes. and they were fuming about it. And then they went to their partner and told, you know, the story. And so then this couple, it's a couple in your life, was really, really mad at you. I uh, wouldn't talk to you, like kind of cut you off. And then you wrote them an email and said, you know, this is what I said and this is why I said it. And the other partner who wasn't there read it and, and called you immediately after like ignoring you for weeks and not mm -hmm. taking your calls. And, and he, he said, he's like, I didn't know that that's what happened. I appreciate what you had to say. You also opened with the email. Like the reason I'm having this conversation with you is because I care about you so exactly. much. It's because I value this relationship is because I want it to be a rich and meaningful mm -hmm. relationship for the rest of our lives. So that, and I, and it's interesting. I've talked about this before on the podcast. A lot of therapists will say like, don't resolve arguments through text. Don't put things. Well, not text for sure. <laughs> it's not long Yeah, enough. text is a little short. Yeah. You only text when you're in Jamaica right. and you've just met. No, just kidding. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Ah, this is why we didn't. We don't need data on our phones. But uh, I do think that writing things down can really help with clarity. I also think that when you're writing something down, there's no loss in translation. You might lose some of the um, some of the nuance and things like that, but you can go back and say, "This is what 
you know, this is clearly what I've said and what I've communicated. And miscommunication, I mean, you can always say that there can be miscommunication, but if you're very clear about what you're writing, it's in writing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, so, it's, it's, go ahead, Jess. No, you go I ahead. I was going to say, yeah, there, yeah, you, you, you want to be clear in the writing and the writing is, I, I, it's secondary. The only thing about writing things down, of course, is that you lose the most, you lose the two most important parts of communication, which is body language and, and tone, right? So there is, there is a lot of room for error there, but if it's after the conversation, I think you have a better chance because in the conversation and it's heated or people are feeling hurt. They, their ears shut down anyway. <laughs> so no matter what you're doing, like, but babe, and you're smiling and you're trying to make it, you know, you're trying to give as much open body language as possible. If they have shut down emotionally, writing it down is your, is your next step. I don't consider it your first step. I consider it kind of your, kind of your next or next to last step is to, is to write it down and to make it more like bullet points and to make it not accusatory, meaning like, you know, when I said this, you said that, you know, don't just say these are the facts. I think Brandon probably, you know, did, this is the facts. I want nothing but the best. Mm -hmm. I, I should chime in and say I wholeheartedly agree with you. The communicating and putting it in writing doesn't usually for us uh, happen until we've had a conversation to begin with. Exactly. Oftentimes it's me taking a step back and saying, I know what, what I, how I get in heated relationships. You said it, my ears, you know, I, I don't absorb things properly. I need to take a step back. And when I do, I can write it down. And when I write my thoughts down and how I'm feeling, I can actually revisit my thoughts. Like it gives me a chance to reflect mm -hmm. on what I've put in writing mm -hmm. and then you know, is it rational? Is it not? Am I overreacting? Am I underreacting? And I find I can come back to the conversation more effectively. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes you have to give yourself 24 hours. Me and my, my other partner was, you know, we're like, if we have a heated discussion and it's going nowhere, we're like, all right, you go home, I'll go home. We're, 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 we're done with this. We kind of set a boundary or a rule, if you will, not really a rule, but we won't go 24 hours without talking. So we give ourselves time to calm down because it's difficult to live in the same house, right? You give yourself time, yeah. but sometimes, you know, you give yourself time to calm down. And, you know, I love the, the phrase, I think it's from Brene Brown, right? The story I'm telling to myself. And I've yes. opened up with that and go, listen, you know, this is a story that I'm telling to myself, or I have a feeling. And just because I have the feeling, I know it may not be true, but it is a feeling that I have. But it may not be right. true, but I got it. Well, it's interesting because there's always this discussion, are feelings valid, right? And we yeah. always tell people your feelings are valid. So your feelings are valid in that you are feeling mm -hmm. them. But it doesn't necessarily mean that your explanation for why you feel them is accurate or rational, right? Yeah. Brent, Brent and I have been talking about this lately. Like, it's easy to say, when you did this, it made me feel that. When in reality... My feeling anything, like let's say I feel hurt or I feel triggered or I feel insecure or whatever it is I feel, that feeling is a culmination of all of my entire life and everything that came before mm -hmm. it. Like, yes, that behavior may have triggered it, but it doesn't mean that that person's behavior is responsible for my feeling. Exactly. And this is something you must have to always navigate, you know, not only with one partner, but with multiple partners. And so I'd love to actually go back to Jamaica. So you're down at hedonism. Yes. So I think most people know what hedonism is. It's a resort for kind of just open-minded people of all kinds. Uh, it's divided into two sides. So there's a nude side and a prude side. Yes. And in order to go on the nude side, you have to be nude. Yes. Um, Yay for the naked and, people. They nude these Yeah. <laughs> 
and it's just it's super fun uh it can be very sensual it can be very wild it really depends on who's there and what's happening um what i like best about hedonism and i honestly haven't been in years is just that once a week they have a reggae band and we get to like dance to the music i actually like you haven't but, uh, been you need to come in january for the kama sutra week for the annual winter getaway with lov i think they got a room left you should come uh-huh. i will be there i'll be in the grill at the beginning of january but i won't be at hedo i'll be just down down the block with family so maybe i'll when pop they leave in. you stay <laughs> <laughs> But here's what I want to know. So you you found polyamory. You met this couple. You had this great experience, yes. uh, not just physically, but an opening of your mind. Yeah. And you texted your partner, and it probably I I'm, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it probably you know hit him hard and you know yeah. made him feel a lot of things. Yep. How did you navigate? what you refer to as a mistake. Like you wouldn't do it the same way. How did you come out of that? Because I think when it comes to anything that's non-conventional, so anything that's non-monogamy, anything that's outside the box, people think that mistakes or problems are fatal. When in fact, in monogamy, we make mistakes all the time and we don't treat them as fatal. Unless, right. of course, it's non-monogamy being the mistake. <laughs> so, <laughs> unless it's cheating. So how did you navigate that? Well, once I got home, by the time I got home, I had been on YouTube. I had seen, you know, I had so much information and I had ordered the book on Amazon more than two. It was on its way, you know, and um, I sat down and he, you know, he was, he was angry and he was hurt because we don't do the love thing. And I'm an all in kind of girl. You know, I was kind of like the kid at the end of the pool, the deep end, just threw her arms and just fell back into the water. I'm like, <laughs> I'm in it. <laughs> and so we had a lot, a lot of conversation about, cause he had no idea what it was. He just heard I'm in love. And then they were white and it was like, but they're white, you know, <laughs> since when do you like white guys? You know, <laughs> I ain't never known you to look at a white man before. Since when do you like white guys? No, he's not really white. Actually, he's mulatto. He's like, he's white. Okay. Okay. He's a white guy. And I just explained to him why I thought polyamory would be good because I've, I found that I enjoyed when we were having our swinging moments, I find the ones I enjoyed the most were the ones that I really had a deeper connection with the person I was with. And some of those people we were still seeing on a regular basis. And we were kind of doing the poly thing, but not calling it poly thing because a lot of swingers, as we know, they're emotionally monogamous, but physically non-monogamous, but we keep seeing the same people year in and year out and go to their houses and they come and we're really polyamorous with them, but we don't use those words because, you know, it's, it's taboo. And we, I think we tend to differentiate between friendship love and romantic love in this way that is dichotomizing when in fact it's not, it's not different that at different. All. Like, cause you're it's, right. It's, so it's, if we, it's not. yeah, like a feeling is love a is feeling. Love. love is a feeling, but to be fair to people, I mean, if it's easier to, I guess, navigate your relationship as like this one is primary and this one is romantic and the uh, these others, I still feel loving feelings, but it's friendships. That's okay. But I think that's, that's not I what think works that's for childish you. to say that. <laughs> and when I say child, mm, I don't mean childish okay. or immature. I mean, it's like you're, you're putting a Band-Aid over something to make the other person feel good. You know, we're all, we're all. Yeah, by saying, well, you know, you know, the prime, I really love you Ah. more and I don't love them as much as just friendship. It's like, it's love. Love is infinite. Anyone that has more than one cat, more than one dog, more than one child, love is infinite. What is not infinite is time. You can only love as many people as you have time for. 
But when we try to downplay this emotion just to make our partner feel better, we stunt their growth emotionally. I don't know if it's always for the partner, though. I think some people do it for themselves as a protective mechanism, which is really a holdover from monogamy being the norm. Like, even though they are consensually non-monogamous in some way, we were still all raised with this notion that monogamy is the default. So I think for some people, like, you know how there's data showing that we will downplay the attractiveness of other people when we're in relationships as a protective mechanism. Like it's just like a psychological feature that's either built into us or we just enact on our own. I wonder if folks in non-monogamous relationships, but who are non-polyamorous, right, who won't acknowledge or use that word poly, I wonder if it's a protective mechanism not only for their partner but for themselves. Like they, there's a fear that if I get too close to someone that it could destabilize and threaten my relationship. And so for folks who differentiate between sexual non-monogamy versus emotional non-monogamy, I think that's maybe like their safe zone. Do you know what I mean? I, I do, and I and I personally still think it's a, it's a way to stunt your own growth emotionally because you're trying to keep yourself from liking or loving someone too much. Right. Why do you need protection from an, an, uh, an emotion that is normal? You know, we're not. I think you need protection because the it's the emotion threatens a specific system or structure that you've built in your life. Sure. Like you've said to yourself, I only want like, it, for, for example, if it was us, I only want to be with Brandon in a relational like practical context. Like I want to live in a house with him. I want to share money with him. And let's just say I was comfortable having sex with other people. I think that a lot of people will separate sex from, try and separate sex, not from emotion, because that's impossible, but from romantic emotion. And that's where I get confused too, because I don't know how you differentiate. Like the way I love my Mm -hmm. friends, it's not the same relationship I have with Brandon. But it's not a different type of feeling for me. Like like you said, like for me, love is love. But I, I just think it's a bit of a protective yeah. mechanism that works for people to protect a structure that they've created. But you're saying that there's a challenge there. I'm saying that you, I'm, I'm saying it doesn't need protecting. Why do you, there's nothing to, there's nothing mm-hmm. to protect. So the choice to live with Brandon in the house, share money, share your deepest, darkest desires, where the bodies are buried and all of that. Is it's your, underwear. You know, We're just sharing underwear. Choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's your choice to do that with him. But it doesn't mean that just because you chose not to live or share finances or a home with another partner means you love them less of than Brandon. Yeah. Or you love mm-hmm. them more than Brandon. I, you I'm with I mean? you. No, I'm like so, with you 100% because yeah, I think yeah, yeah. that that hierarchy yeah, becomes... So, it can be problematic, but for some people, I think they feel it's functional. So I just want to like recognize the function there, but then also like hear what you're saying, which is that why would you want to limit your loving capacity? It's it's not it's why would you want to limit your loving capacity? But you could still you could it's there's nothing wrong with having hierarchy, right? If you want to say I have a primary lover and I have a secondary. And, you know, tertiary, you know, if you want to go down That's the list. I can only get to tertiary because I don't know the next word. <laughs> That's me too, right? Me too. And if you want to have that and everyone is in agreement, this is the thing, the alignment, right? With you and the partners you choose to be in a relationship with. If everyone's in agreement to that, mm-hmm. it's okay. I'm saying, it, I'm saying that you don't have to be mm-hmm. protective. You could just be like, this is what I want. I want to have Brandon as my primary. I want to have 
John as my secondary partner that I don't live with, but I hang out with and I love him, but I'm not doing these things with him because Brandon is my primary. So I, I love John, I love Brandon and that's it. But this is, and, and John's like, that, that's fine with me. I, I, I don't need to live with you and Brandon. And Brandon's like, I don't care what you do with him. He ain't living with us. <laughs> it's a small it, house. Let me tell you. You know what I mean? Small- I think I think yeah, a lot yeah, of these so, protective me- mechanisms, though, are really just rooted in mononormativity. Like it's hard to get away sure. from, I guess, the supremacy of monogamy. Like when you talk about it, it sounds a little um, not like ownership, but a little bit like control. Right. And I think it's hard for people to walk to, to just like it's for me even like I think there's a lot of undoing and unlearning that we have to constantly do there is. because mono, the normativity of monogamy, and I guess like toxic monogamy is so strongly enforced. And and that's not to say that all monogamy is toxic. Like for some people, but monogamy, like you said, like hierarchical polyamory, where you might have a primary partner, a secondary, a tertiary, and that's it because we don't know the fourth Nothing word. wrong with it. <laughs> There's <Right>. a maximum. <laughs> you can only have two more people. What, would be, the four, what would be the fourth? I don't know. I'd ha- I have to look it up. Yeah, yeah. you could have been doing this. Go, we're gonna, somebody Google that and, and text us, please, like, right You away. can choose that and do that ethically. You can choose monogamy and do it ethically. But in a world yes. that is toxically monogamous, that tells us we must be monogamous, that prioritizes monogamy above all else, it seeps into non-monogamous relationships as well. Oh. It's quaternary. 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 With an M. Oh, I had a quaternary. Oh, oh. Quaternary, I see. And then quaternary. I don't know how to, you know, okay. I studied quaternary. Latin. I shouldn't. Five would be quinary, centenary, septenary. Oh oct- at one point, at one point, I did have the husband and three boyfriends. So and you, what did nice. you call your fourth? Then, quaternary? I, I call them all the same. I don't do oh, hierarchy. Okay. I don't, everyone's equal. I don't care if you come in last, second, third, fourth. I don't, I don't, I don't do hierarchy. Uh, all is equal to me. I love that you're talking about all of these things. I also love like the the challenge of, okay, so when folks are enacting protectionist behaviors, um, I you think- You have to have a conversation. <laughs> and yeah, and I think you're also challenging us to, to get a little bit more vulnerable and say, well, why are we doing this? Like it is okay, but why? And how are you perhaps limiting yourself or limiting your partner? So here's an example. So my partner in North Carolina that I hadn't seen since- you know, COVID before COVID started. And then May came this May and I was in, I was working um, remote for a month in Mexico and he got his uh, vaccine. His wife got her vaccine. I was down there by myself and he wanted to see me. And, and I'm like, love to have you come down. And his wife was like, but we haven't been anywhere in a year. I was going to take you away for your birthday in June. You're going to go with Mariposa, you know, down to Mexico for a week. And, and so he says to me, you know, she's right. We haven't been away, you know, because of COVID in a year and she's going to take me away in June. I'm like, okay, well, don't, don't come down. But what does you coming down and what does you coming in May have to do with you going away with her in June? Or is she changing the dates? And he was like, well, no, but if I go away, maybe I should go away with her first because, you know, we haven't been away. And I was like, Okay, that's a little hierarchy, but, and she's doing the wife thing, not the wife thing, but she's doing the hierarchy wife thing, you know, cause she's the wife, but honey, I'm not here to cause, I don't do drama. So I will see you in Florida, like in July or something after you get back. <laughs> Very simple. 
but I called it as I saw it because that's, that's what it was. And then, you know, it was like, well, can't she come here? She wanted me to come up there. I'm like, I'm not coming to North Carolina ever again. So <laughs> never, I'm not coming to North Carolina. No, you don't need any not, more not chicken. As much as I love you, <laughs> I'm still not even coming to see you. So what difference? And then she was going on about the COVID. I'm like, well, I got it. He's like, but you got your vaccine. I'm like, yes. He got both shots. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I think she was doing the vaccine thing. I'm like, okay, if you say so. It's funny how <laughs> next we, thing I know. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, next thing I know, he was down and he came down to see me because he had the conversation with her. He's like, we're not going away till June. We'll go away in June. Mm -hmm. And your his going away in May doesn't affect their going away in June. But we get certain things in our head, right? Like we should do things yes. the first time with someone or we should do something yes. in a certain volume. Like I, that happens in monogamous yes. relationships that have nothing to do with sex. Like I remember a friend complaining that their partner had spent more time with me that week because we shared a specific hobby than with them. Okay, yes. And I'm like, but that's because we had these games. We, we play sports together. These games scheduled. Yes. Like we, it's not even, I shouldn't even have to say this, but it's not even like we're hanging, hanging out. Like we're literally playing a sport. If you right. want to come play the sport, come play. If you want to come watch, come watch. If you want to schedule more time with your partner, schedule more time with your partner, but don't make it about somebody else. Exactly, exactly. And we get, and, but the, you know, the thing, the way we know monogamy now has only been this way the most recent 150 years. I think Esther Perel has talked about this many times in her podcast and in her book, uh, Mating in Captivity, which is an amazing book. It's like the movies and the marketing and the Hallmark cards have told us this person belongs to you. That time is yours. And, you know, we as emotional beings, right? We can control our emotions. We choose not to. We choose not to. Jealousy is just an emotion like love and happiness. And we choose not to. We decide that we're going to be a four-year-old and throw up, fling our body to the ground. <laughs> You're all mine. It's like, no, no one belongs to anybody. We are all responsible for our own happiness and our own bullshit. And our own behavior. We all bring right? Like, yeah, you can, and our own bullshit. You can feel anything <laughs> you bring... feel. Like, even if you can't control every feeling, you, you do have some choices when it comes to the response to those feelings. Unfortunately, we... Yeah. I mean, that's, this is a whole topic, but we have practiced certain behaviors. We've normalized certain behaviors. We've um, mm -hmm. we've ingrained. We maybe don't take the time to recognize our triggers. Like there's all these layers. And it what, what always strikes me is that in non-monogamous relationships, there tends to be a need to talk about a really broad range of feelings and responses. Oh my God, you got to talk about everything and not. Yeah. And I went, can't we just have sex? I'm tired of talking. <laughs> Like, can we just fuck and talk later? All the I don't want to talk about my feelings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's more talking in non-monogamy than ever. Right. And I think, though, the folks who are in monogamous relationships, there's something to be gleaned from this, right? Like, we need to, and even that language around ownership or control, I think, is so important. So before we let we go, you go, sorry, I went a little bit over here. Before we let you go, could you tell us what you've taken out of your last, I guess, 13 years or so in non-monogamy that you wish you had learned in the beginning? That, uh, that uh, everyone's responsible for their own happiness. No one can make you happy. Nobody will make you happy. They can create a, a, a happy environment <laughs> for you, but literally, you are literally responsible for your own happiness. And you cannot be sitting there agitated with your partner about the shit they won't do for you no matter how many times you ask them, ask them how many times you cry and beg and argue and get up and do shit for yourself. Do your own thing. 
I'm not saying, you know, run out and be reckless and cheat or whatever it is that you, uh, salsa dancing lessons for 23 years. I mean, my husband was like, I'm not taking salsa. I asked 23 years, I asked him to take salsa lessons. He said, no. <laughs> and when I found some other guy to go salsa, dance, suddenly he was interested. I'm like, never mind now, because, you know, well, we should let him do it. No, I, t- I asked you for 23 years. You said no. So no, because you're just doing it just because somebody else is suddenly interested in doing it with me. That is really, really the, the biggest thing. And that to me, that is the most important thing. You are solely responsible for your own happiness. And, and, and lastly, use your words, use your words, open your mouth, say what you want, say what you don't want. Don't sit in, you know, with an attitude and be agitated, expecting your partner to figure it out. And you've been together long enough and they should know how you feel. They don't know. They don't know shit. Hmm. I'm telling you, they have their own thoughts in their own head about their own thing. And if you want something or you want something to stop, use your words, but don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. And that's, I think, what people do in monogamy. You find one thing that goes wrong or two things that go wrong. You throw away an entirely great relationship for that one or two things. How about you line up all the things that are working well, keep those things and decide those one or two things if they're not, you know, the crux of the relationship and maybe find somebody else to do those things with. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's salsa dance or something else, really appreciate it. Or sex. Or or sex. (laughs) Taylor Sparks. um, So organiclovin.com and that's lovin, L-O-V-E-N. Please be sure to check out that shop, check out all of the offerings. It is important to be putting our money where our mouths are. And we saw all those mouths talking about supporting BIPOC folks, specifically black people last year in 2020, 2020 or 2021. Guess what? It didn't. It's not supposed to stop. Uh, so right? let's keep our foot on the pedal. And if you are shopping for all that beautiful, fun, sexy, erotic, and as well as organic stuff, because you have like organic, intimate body products that are um, chemical free for folks with vulvas and penises, check out organiclovin.com and be sure to follow Taylor Sparks. We'll be putting all of their handles in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. It's so good to see you both. And thank you for having me. It was fun. I got to talk. (laughs) Love it. Thank you so much, folks, for listening wherever you're at. Have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.